This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Sunday. We've got to talk some USC Trojan football. The Trojans off to a 3-0 start after beating the Fresno State Bulldogs 45-17. We're going to break it all down with the Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have questions or comments for the show, we always love to hear from you. Podcast at USCfootball.com is the email address, or if you'd rather call or text us, leave us a voicemail. Or send us a text. The number is the same, 424-254-9141. If you have that Apple podcasting app, which is always fun, you know, if you got one of those, you leave us a five-star review. We'd love to read it on the air and appreciate. we appreciate it. It helps to grow the show uh, and put it out there. And uh, we got a couple of reviews I want to read you real quick. 702 Trojan Fan says, fantastic, with a big SC at the end. And can't get enough of this podcast. The absolute best for any USC football fan. Keep up the great work. And we also got a review from JB class of 8082. He says, Peristyle Podcast and Tunnel Vision, you guys are amazing. Well, thanks, JB. We will have a Tunnel Vision show on Sunday night. If so, you're listening to this on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we will be live Sunday night with Chris Trevino, Jack Smith, and myself, breaking down everything going on with the USC Trojans. What we saw, we were all at the game. We're going to check it all out. But we do have the coach on the line right now. I wanted to talk to him about this USC football team. Coach, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, buddy. I tell you, for you all of you that were up late last night, if you're on the East Coast, uh, well, uh, I'm sorry. That's the best we could do when they started 7.30 out here. We all stay up late, Ryan. I understand you didn't get home till around 2.30 a.m. So, uh, you know, those late games don't do any of us any good, including USC, uh, the Pac-12, or any of that. So, We'll have to live through it and uh, hope that all the people back there didn't go to bed, especially the voters and especially the people that write the articles. But it's past the deadline for any East Coast story about USC. Yeah, when I'm leaving the press box and it's like 1.30 in the morning, you know, okay, this is going to be – this is a late night. Uh, the, the East Coast people might have been waking up to, like, check some NFL out or whatever. But, yeah, it was late. Uh, but another, you know, dominating performance, I think – uh, for USC, um, going out there and just putting up a lot of points again. They, they haven't scored to start the season. They haven't scored 40 points plus three games in a row to start a season since back in 2005. So they're putting up some impressive numbers. Ten you know, turnovers uh, forced on the season, none committed, no turnovers at all. So maybe we'll start 
on the offensive side of the ball, Coach. To me, this wasn't Caleb Williams' best game. He was 25 of 37, so he had 12 incompletions, uh, 284 yards, a couple touchdowns. Um, he was sacked three times. He did rush for for two touchdowns. I don't know if the equivalent is in golf where like if you're, you know, maybe your drive isn't working that well, but your short game is great or you're you're rolling in putts. I feel like Caleb Williams was like bombing the ball off the tee for the first two games. And then the last game, his like drive was sort of off. Anybody found his way onto the green and and rolled in a long like 30-foot putt and just kind of moved on and scored the touchdown. I don't know. I mean, I was impressed with just how they were able to win when I didn't feel like the passing game was on point, you know, and they they ran the ball. Austin Jones had 100 yards rushing. Travis Dye had 100 yards rushing. They each had a touchdown pass. But to me, Coach, this didn't look like as in sync of an offense as we saw the first two weeks, yet it was still very effective. So that, that impressed me a lot. Well, Ryan, you're right on. I'll tell you what, uh, you're learning the game of football, and I see the same thing, and there's a reason for that. First of all, uh, everyone expects so much out of Caleb Williams, including himself, that he puts too much pressure on himself as far as trying to make the big play. And I think coaching-wise, too, there's a little bit of an emphasis there to push his stats and get a lot of statistics as far as making a run at the Heisman, which affects the play and the mental attitude of the pressure that's put on you additionally to win a football game. Uh, I think that that instead of just get the big W, uh, you try to uh, do things like throw the ball on first down on the one-yard line and do things to get completions and passes and so on instead of running the football in. They could run the football against Fresno State the whole night. That's why they had two backs rushing the football, and that's protecting your quarterback as far as not allowing him to get hit and where he can do some bootleg actions and, and come out and have the option of the short guy, the deep guy, the deep post or whatever, or run the ball towards the sideline and run out of bounds, but not be the primary primary ball carry. Now, he's exciting to watch play, don't get me wrong. And he runs that keep very well, and he runs very well. He's very athletic when he runs the ball, but he can only take so many hits and again, you got to really protect this guy because he's the real guy. Plus, you know, they always consider themselves as, you know, I'm worth so much. Uh, I've got to be able to stand up to my label of who I am as far as the advertising and everything I do nationally so that people will continue sponsoring me. So there's a lot more involved in college football and calling plays than before. And also as far as satisfying the surrounding cast, because these guys, you've got to think about now, the guys that are playing, these are guys I want to keep. If I'm not playing some of these guys, they're going to go into the portal on me. So that's a different type of philosophy of your mind thinking the entire game as a play caller and a football coach as far as all of these different things. Of course you want the W. But you also want the stats and to keep your quarterback happy and keep him in the run for the Heisman. I just think there was a little bit too much pressure on him, and he's trying to make too many big plays. And I think that if you ran the ball more, it would make it a lot easier on him as far as completing the ball and being more relaxed on the field. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Coach. And I, you know, I think some of it was Cortland Ford was out, the, the left tackle, and we saw Bobby Haskins, who I thought played well, but – he was banged up a little bit. Mason Murphy comes in and gives up a snap uh, sack on his very first snap. Um, I felt like Caleb Williams looked a little more mortal. He just looked like he was worried about the pass rush. 
Um, he held that one ball. He, he was, you know, plenty of time at like eight seconds and didn't get, didn't get rid of the ball, but you know, some of it just could be that gets in your head a little bit. Like, Oh, the pass rusher's coming. Uh, and you start seeing ghosts and you know, it's not like he was, they were getting after him a ton, but it just seemed like that he's a young quarterback. He's a sophomore, you know, which, which makes sense. And I think there is a bunch of pressure on him, but it helps when you have two running backs going for over nine yards a carry, right? Um, you know, someone's doing something right when you can do that. So it was, uh, you know, t- to look at like, you have like one of the best, you know, two of the best running backs from the Pac-12 last year and Austin Jones and Travis Dye. And they're not on their former teams. They're on USC's team and they're both doing really well. I mean, that's, I don't know, man. This, it's just, just funny to how this offense can get you a whole bunch of different ways. Oh, you're exactly right. That's why it's so hard to defense, Ryan. In fact, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. Uh, on every opening drive or the opening drives of the game, USC goes down to score. Uh, why? Because it's hard as a defensive coach and a defensive player to really uh, practice against an athletic quarterback such as Caleb Williams, skilled players like they have, because they can't uh, demonstrate from their scout team the quickness of the speed of these people, but they spread the field completely. So after a quarter or two, you notice things slow down a little bit and the players become more adjusted on the defensive side of the football as far as settling up before they tackle, understanding exactly what's going on because they haven't seen this picture. They haven't seen a picture like this that's all over the field. And with the hurry-up offense, you really don't have enough time to really adjust your mind, thought to your physical ability and tackling and making sure you have don't have a breakdown as far as your coverage and so on. So uh, this is part of it, too. And then as the game goes along, you notice there's been a little bit of a lag in the second or third or fourth quarter with the offense at times. And then the defensive side of the football, you know, there's been some things over there that I'm still concerned about, as I don't know, maybe others aren't. But I am still concerned very much as far as on the defensive side of the football on how good they really are, how physical they really are, and evaluation of the players on the defensive side because people have moved the football on them. And, uh, and of course, Fresno State was its biggest opponent. But they ran the football. They ran the football against USC. And they uh, threw the ball pretty well as far as with their number one guy and then with their backup guy. So... You know, you've got some concerns. We all have concerns, but I think the defensive side of the football is really still to me, still to me, and I said it last week, I've got a big question mark there. Yeah, you know, yeah, I have question mark too, and we'll talk about the defense in a second, but when you talked about USC starting off the game, uh, opening drive touchdowns, I believe they did the first three drives against Rice touchdowns, First five drives against Stanford touchdowns. First three drives against Fresno State touchdowns. Like when your offense can take the field and you don't stop them until they've scored 21, 35, and 21, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, I mean, that's just like you get buried right away. There's like a hole you can't dig out of. No, you're exactly right. And uh, then you try to come back and try to catch up, and sometimes you make more mistakes. But, uh, you know, that's the way it is. You can't demonstrate what they're doing, and you can't really practice what they're doing uh, in your practice during the week. But you can't really demonstrate their speeds and the way that he calls his plays, and he keeps you off balance all the time. 
but I still think the running game, as you mentioned, nine yards a carry, you've got to do that a little bit more, and you've got to protect Caleb a little bit more. You know, you can't lose this guy. And, uh, you know, today, just like Fresno State lost their quarterback, you can't, and it wasn't really a vicious hit. It was just a roll-up. So you've got to be careful as far as these things. Yet he's very exciting to watch play and run the football. No, he's he's a very exciting player. Jordan Addison's very exciting. Mario Williams very exciting. Travis Dye's very exciting. Um, I mean, some of their runs. Yeah, I know you. I've, if I was sitting next to you, Coach, when like Travis Dye is just fighting off everybody and not would not be denied. Seems like he got touched by everyone on Fresno State's defense. Malcolm Epps blow you know blowing up a block like at the two yard line just to make sure he doesn't go down at the you know inside the five and he gets into the end zone. You know Austin Jones running into the end zone without his helmet, even though it gets ripped off and they give it right back to him and he scores there. I know the kind of football that you like, and I'm sure when you were watching that, that was something that uh, made you feel good. Oh, really feel good. I really do. Because you're making yourself a more physical type of football team. You're demanding the defense be physical. And I know the play-action pass is going to be there eventually, because if you don't stop, stop the run, I'm going to run it all night, okay? And you're going to have to come up and stop it, and uh, then everything else is going to go. So if you do this, I do that. If you do that, I do this. And I think that's a balance that USC currently right now with its offensive uh, firepower can do. i just like to see him stick with that. And, you know, one thing, too. Uh, uh, last year, Graham Harrell, or last several years with Gray, was there the quarterback sneak. We don't do that. We don't do that. Well, wasn't it nice to see Caleb Williams go under center when it's about a half a yard to go? Look and see where the gap is on the defensive side where they're not playing it. Just quarterback sneak it. No handoff. No nothing. Not seven yards deep where it then crashes down and stops you before you get running. It was just so nice to see that. That's my highlight play of the week. Yeah, no, I thought that was the uh, And it was funny, uh, in the UCLA game, um, it looked like, I think it was Zach Charbonnet scored a touchdown, and they, they ruled him down like at the six-inch line, and DTR lined up in the shotgun. He's standing at the five-yard line, and they handed it off to him, and it was kind of a weird exchange. And Charbonnet ends up fumbling, and South Alabama goes down and scores. You know, that was part of the reason yeah. why they were down early in that game and had to come back. Um, but, yeah, I thought of the same thing, Coach, where – you're six inches away. You you know you just got your touchdown reversed, and you're so that you're that close that it's not like you're at the one and a half yard line, and you go shotgun and you're at the five yard. <laughs> just, you've moved yourself further away. Uh, I don't get that. So I was yeah. There was the first snap under Lincoln Riley that USC was under center according to Shotgun Spratling, and I think he said, I think Graham Harrell did a couple of them over his time, but there were I think there was like some kneel downs and stuff, but um, they don't do that very much. It was a mistake then if they did it on Graham Harrell. Was he made the statement, we don't do that here. Right, exactly. So if you don't know what you're going to do, just run a swing pass. Okay, that's what we'll do. <laughs> Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. That's where we're getting most of the – I mean, I get these Twitter complaints. It's funny. People know that they want to complain, but sometimes they're not sure what they're complaining about. Like, we got a – someone tweeted me last week. USC, you know, like, the defense sucks – they need more tackles for loss. And, and we're like, well, they have 20. That leads the Pac-12. Like, did you realize that? Like, they now have 26 tackles for loss, six more in this game, five more sacks, two more turnovers, some big plays. If you look at Fresno State, very powerful offense. Jake Hayner might be – it's going to be one of the best quarterbacks USC faces all year. To hold them to 17 points, get a goal line stance at the end with the, 
the backups in there. And, you know, I know, you know, Hayner goes down and it was a just a horrible looking injury. Logan Fife comes in and, and Lincoln Riley said, like, look, you know, no one, Tefford is an amazing quarterbacks coach. You knew whoever was going to be the backup was going to be good. He comes in and goes 11 for 12, 140 yards, uh, sacked a few times, but it's not like the, you know, quarterback play dropped off significantly when Fife had to come in there. And, you know, Fresno State ran the ball really well, like gained over, you know, without the losses, gained over 200 yards. You take the sacks out of there. Um, so it, it's one of those things where, it was bend, but don't break, right? And, uh, you know, we got to talk to Alex Grinch a little bit afterwards. And, you know, he's there's things he still, you know, wants to get better. But they're making big plays all over the place. And at the end of the day, it's about the score. And you only give up 17 to Fresno State. So, I don't know. What what was your assessment of how the defense did? Well, I, I, I agree with you as far as the backup quarterback. And Jeff Tepper's a great quarterback coach. You know, I, I coach against him when he played. Can you believe that? Yeah, Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker, was one of his receivers, and Stephon Page was the other receiver. Nice. It was my first year when I was at UNLV, and uh, we had a beat, but we didn't beat him. So that, that that's the way it goes. You know, we lost. We got the L and set up the W, and then I've uh, coached against him, and uh, he's a hell of a coach. And I remember when he was at Cal and came to the Coliseum, and Aaron Rodgers went 26 for 26 against USC and Pete Carroll, and they drove the ball the length of the field at the end of the game, and he threw a pass, and the receiver dropped it, slipped and dropped the pass. Otherwise, they'd have beat USC. So when Fresno came to play SC, they're not intimidated. They came down last year, the kids, and played UCLA, went home with a victory. They played Oregon last year and should have beat them. They're not afraid to play in the big house and so on. So they look forward to it. So I think it was the best non-conference team they've played so far and uh, yes unfortunately they lost a very close football game to Oregon State the week before but they're tough kids and they play hard and I think it was the best test for the defense yet on the defensive side of the football yes they've been fortunate to get the turnovers but still I don't see them I know don't get me wrong you give me all those stats as far as the sacks and so on but I don't see them dominating on the defensive side of the football. Now, early in the game, I think the whole first quarter, almost the whole first quarter, part of the second quarter, Oregon State only had the ball three plays. I think the first quarter, three plays or whatever it is, because time of possession was all USC last night. Normally it's opposite. So I think they did well there as far as stopping. It was three and out, and then SC had the ball for a long period of time. But I'd like to see him be a little bit more physical on uh, whipping their man, flying to the football, and especially on the running portion of it. I've sort of seen them run at them, and I haven't seen the linebackers really fill to their gap the way they should to stop the run. So when that happens, unless it's personnel and ability, then they're going to be able to have to face teams that run at them, like Utah and other teams that are going to want to go at them. And UCLA, of course, they run the football too. Uh, they, I, I want to see them get that shirt up before they play those teams. Otherwise, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, and no, Oregon I agree. State runs the football too. Oregon State will run the football at them. I want you to know. Oh, they will, for sure. Um, and I thought their defense was a lot feistier against uh, Fresno State. Hayner was just dealing in that game. And, you know, Oregon State ends up getting the win, but – um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, a the, the concern, um, 
but it's funny. You just you know you 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 see these chunk plays. Uh, you know the when Fife comes in the backup quarterback and it's third and long, and you're like, all right, this this game is pretty much over. And then he, you know, gets a couple big chunk plays and they go down and score a touchdown. And that's like, okay, well now you got to play still. Um, I thought that's a you know big big kind of moment in the game, but they they're definitely doing enough, and especially with the way the offense is playing. If you get a, that opening three and out, like you mentioned, that's huge. You know, that was a th- huge play to go three and out in the beginning because it really gives your offense a chance to go up 14 nothing. And that's what they did. Like, okay, it's, now it's 14 nothing. And you're like, crap. <laughs> so what do you, what do you do? Now, if you give up a touchdown and it's seven, seven, like I think the rice game, it was like that. Um, and rice took up a lot of clock. So I thought that was a huge play, but then, you know, you give up some big plays later, but you get a couple early stops for this defense and then, your the, the your opponent's going to be coming out. You know they're they're going to be playing catch up the whole time. So uh, it's funny. It it seems I don't know if it works this way. I know like Iowa wasn't scoring a lot of points. They still haven't been, and they had that crazy lightning delay like four different times. And they had talked about like you know you're trying to play to your defense strengths, and so you're not trying to score every time. This seems like it works, coach, where you have a really prolific offense that could score quickly or could do sustained drives. And then an opportunistic defense that you don't need them to make a stop every time, but you get like a big stop, which a turnover or a three and out, and it really sets up the offense. So I, I don't know if it's complimentary, coach, but it seems like they, you know, I know there's flaws on the defense, uh, on everywhere, but defensive side for sure. But it seems like the, the two units kind of complement themselves pretty well. Well, they've been doing all right because they played quarterbacks that are uh, statues, so in, in a way. And don't get me wrong when I say that, Tanner McGee, he wasn't a runner. He didn't run around. Uh, the Rice quarterback didn't run around, and either did uh, the quarterbacks last night from Fresno. You know where they're going to be. They don't give you a Caleb Williams problem. I'm going to tell you that. And like USC used to have that problem before as far as people knowing where you are as far as a quarterback, and they come after you. And uh, USC's been able to do that because they know where they are, and they go after them, and they're going to have great success at that. Now, down the road, when they fit, I don't know if the, who's their athletic quarterback they're going to have to face here. At Oregon, Cam, he's Cam Rising for sure. Cam Rising at Utah. Yeah, right. Yeah, Utah would be a good one. Uh, Oregon State, no. Uh, Arizona State, I'm not sure I haven't seen them, but they don't seem to be very good. They lost last night. <laughs> yeah. uh, UCLA, yes, they got an athletic quarterback. So when you, uh, I think Arizona does too, so. You know, you've got a different target or a different area to defend. You have to defend more of the field. But so far this year, they know where the guy's going to be, and they're not worried about his running ability. So you're able to get up the field, contain him, and make those plays. Yeah. Um, all right, Coach. Well, why don't we take a quick break, and we will come back and answer some questions back in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast with the coach, Harvey Hyde. we got some questions to get to. And then uh, real quick before we do, I wanted to uh, give a little shout out to Matt. Um, he contacted me on Instagram and said uh, he'd been following us on the Peristyle Podcast for a long time and saw that I was doing Meals on Wheels and wanted to... So he's been wanting to do it for a while and he signed up himself. So thanks, Matt, for doing that. That's great that you go out and volunteer. So I just want to give him a little shout out. So thanks for listening and uh, thanks for volunteering and doing some uh, meal deliveries. I love doing it. I've been doing it probably almost five years now. So it's a lot of fun. Um, We got a text from DC Trojan Coach. He says, uh, if Fresno State... Is, is Fresno State the best offense USC will face this year? And if not, then who? Well, uh, let's see. They don't play Oregon. They don't play Washington. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State uh, will be comparable, okay? Same type of uh, program. They played very closely when they played. Yeah, not as good of a quarterback, uh, but uh, a better, you know, a really good run game, which obviously USC's had trouble with. That's right, and uh, they have a real good play-action game. Uh, let's see, they got... Uh, U- like, Utah's going to have a good offense, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. U- and uh, Utah, Utah's offense is legit. Um, the rest of the Pac-12, I mean, because you have a mobile quarterback, like we talked about with Cam Rising, like, Cal's offense is not good. Um, Arizona State's offense is uh, not good. Colorado's offense, not good. Um, you've seen UCLA, they get their problems, but they can run at you, right? So there's some, there could be some issues there. Notre Dame, their offenses look pretty bad. Also, we just saw Cal and Notre Dame play and there wasn't, no one was lighting up the scoreboard there. Um, Arizona can be sneaky kind of good, you know, with Jaden Delora and they got some good wide receivers there. They look talented, but I don't think it's like a finished product. Um, and Washington State has been a surprise team. I think they've been a surprise team. Uh, they're more defensive team. Wisconsin, yeah. But they, they scored points yesterday, but they were playing uh, – I forget who they're playing. Someone terrible. Um, but they you know they they haven't been – I thought Cameron Ward would come in and they'd score a lot of points, and they just haven't. But the offense got going um, yesterday uh, on Saturday. Washington State, what was the score there? That was a – 38 to something. Yeah, they, oh, they played Colorado they State. Played. They played Colorado yeah. State, and they were favored by seventeen. Thirty-eight nothing. Thirty-eight nothing. That's what it was. Yeah, and they 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 were favored by seventeen. They end up winning by a lot. Um, so yeah, maybe they'll be a little feistier, but there's not like I mean, outside of Utah, like I thought their offense has been you can be really good at times. They got a couple tight ends that'll kill you. Uh, mobile quarterback. I think that's going to be a tough matchup for this defense. You know, if they can. That's going to be one coach where if USC forces like three turnovers but gives up 450 yards and like 30 points, USC should win, you know? Um, it's just like you can't give up like 48 points. <laughs> That's going to be a problem, you know? No, Utah's a great football team. They've learned how to win, and they got a great solid program. They lost a close one down at Florida, but they certainly demonstrated coming back. They didn't like the feeling of coming home. 
So uh, they're right now in a position where they're looking forward to the game with USC. Uh, of course, they got Oregon, too. Uh, but Utah, you know, played in the Rose Bowl last year. They got a lot of things going on up there. And they look forward to playing USC. Everybody looks forward to playing USC. Everybody does. Utah, Fresno State did. Oregon State, you don't think that's going to be crazy? Oh, it's You'll be, be up huge. There. That'll be absolutely crazy uh, at Corvallis. It's like the Super Bowl in uh, in Corvallis. So, you know, everybody gets fired up, especially when you're a ranked team going in there. And they have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. Everybody expects them to get beat, okay? So they let it all hang out and have a lot of fun, and the people have a lot of fun. And who knows, if you let them hang in the game, you're in trouble, especially if you're at home. But if you take them out of the game early and the crowd gets out of the game early, then you've done what you've accomplished. Yeah, and USC's scored you know, at least their first three touchdowns in their first three possessions in every game. That's crazy. Um, Jack from New Jersey says, the 3-0 start has been great. Ten turnovers forced and zero given up. Is incredible. What the Lincoln Riley and the men of Troy have to do to prevent me from seeing K- from seeing Caleb Williams smash his helmet against the Reeser Stadium wall uh, post a frustrating loss to the Beavers like Mark Sanchez did after a woeful Thursday night loss in 2008. That loss still haunts me. It was beyond frustrating to watch the Oregon State offensive line manhandle the USC defensive line that night. Jack from New Jersey. Well, they do have a great group up front. They played together. They... Uh... Uh, they're really a well-coached team. Now, I want to, Jonathan Smith does a great job of coaching, okay? His offense and defense, uh, he's like a general out there. He's very close to Jeff Tedford. If you're watching, they both stand, and they don't say much during the entire game. They let their coordinators run the whole thing, but they're in charge. They're like the generals, okay? Watching in the back with binoculars while the war goes on. But they're giving their commands when necessary. So I think it'll be a great game. I really think, I, I really don't know what to expect. Uh, I think it'll be crazy. It'll be a crazy environment, and I look forward to the game. I really do. The only thing I don't look forward to it is waiting all day for it to start, waiting till 6.30, because, again, that's Pac-12 Network. Nothing against the Pac-12 Network except nationally again, two weeks in a row, the nation is going to be able to watch the Trojans. Yeah, and it's on Pac-12 Network, 6.30 p.m. No college game day. It would be great if – you got two undefeated Pac-12 teams if they were sort of involved somehow, but, you know, whatever. Um, let's see. Okay, let's go to uh, Don. He says, I've watched USC offensive, uh, USC's offensive play, and I'll tell you the offense is way ahead of the defense. I've been advocating that USC should recruit an athletic quarterback for years. These non-athletic QBs that USC's been recruiting, mainly from Orange County, aren't cutting it. Uh, they can't get away from the pass rush. They're not a threat to run with the ball. And as a result, uh, they are not able to keep the uh, backside of the defense from crashing down on the ball carrier, and in many cases, tackling the ball carrier for a loss. An athletic quarterback adds another weapon that defenses have to worry about. Now to the defense, it's very plain to see that the defense is weak and coverage to the outside on runs. They have been constantly gashed on outside runs. Got to close the door there. The defensive backs are constantly holding. Uh, there's only one reason for this, uh, that they're getting beat. It's very evident that USC can score, but he says the defense will have to improve if they are to keep winning. That's from uh, Don. Well, as far as the athletic quarterback is concerned, I say amen. I think that sort of tells you how I feel about that, especially when you want to run a one-back set. 
because your your second running back is your quarterback because you spread the field with him. And they haven't done that over the last, I don't know how many years they've been running this offense or the air raid or whatever because uh, JT Daniels was an athletic, didn't run, control the ball. Now, don't get me wrong, Dart the same way, uh, uh, all of them, Keaton Slovis. And you see what? It, Slovis got hurt, uh, Dart got hurt, Daniels got hurt because they know where they are. The quarterback last night got hurt from Fresno State because they're not athletic. They don't move, and you don't have to defend the whole field. So I agree with that 100% uh, with what he's saying, and especially if you run that offense. Now, you can run a big – you can run a certain offense with the big quarterback. Now, don't get me wrong. Well, you run a different type of offense, and you spread the field, and not only that, you have two running backs and have a tight end and go double tight at times and go under center at times and keep people off balance because they're not used to seeing that. So you, you give them something that they're not prepared for with that type of quarterback because they're used to other type of quarterbacks and they're not used to some guy coming right at them with two backs and play action and bootleg and crossing the the backs and trapping and and, uh, pulling the guards and tackles and running up the field, and you run that with a big quarterback where you get your outside support and so on with your running backs and your play action pass. So, but you know, you've got to have them both correlated where you, where you, where you know what you're doing with the quarterback and the type of offense that you're running. And, in the pack, past, if you've been listening to me on this show, I've always said that they're beating themselves, USC, and what they were doing and losing and getting their quarterbacks all beat up and beating themselves. Running game-wise and, uh, and defense-wise, we just talked about that. I think they can run the football. You know they can run the football. I think one of the most improved areas of the game when I watch them is the offensive line. I think they're more aggressive. I think they're more into it. I don't. I think they they communicate better, and uh, I think they're a better part of the football team. They got a lot of experience. So get me wrong in the inside three, but the tackles wise, uh, I think they're playing a good uh, brand of football. When Haskins is there and Ford is there, and Murray will get better. Murphy Murray, whatever his name is, he'll get better. He was probably a nervous wreck last night when he went in the game. Yeah. You know that. Remember, when you go into a game in that type of situation, you're a third clubber in most. You don't get many turns at practice, and all of a sudden, there you are in the game, and uh, and that's why he probably didn't play as well, have as much confidence as he should. But uh, defensive is the area that I'm concerned with, and most of our callers, Ryan, it's not just me. I think most of our callers, and our callers are pretty intelligent football people. They have the same concerns. And last night, pass interference they called against uh, USC. The defense, that was so ticky-tacky. I I can't believe that. I just can't believe that call that they called against USC. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that uh, wasn't the best. (laughs) Um, But, you know, one of those things where it's just like, all right, USC score enough points that you can overcome uh, ticky-tack fouls from time to time. We had a couple more. Um, first, L.A. transplant from Diego. He says he loves all the shows on the Peristyle. It's always nice to have a backlog of podcasts to listen to. He loves Chris Trevino's ghost notes. He finds he finds himself reading them with his internal voice. It's funnier that way. Uh, Alex Grinch is getting slash recruiting more hybrid defensive backs, shorter, quicker defensive linemen. Uh, there's some chatter that Grinch is being considered for the Nebraska head coaching job and considered an up-and-coming coach. Personally, I think it would be a wrong move to leave for Nebraska at this point of his career. Anyway, 
question is, if Alex Grinch leaves after this year or next year or the year after that, would USC try to find a defensive coordinator with a similar defensive scheme that fits the personnel they have now or find the best candidate that may require a shift in recruiting philosophy and somewhat overhauling the, the defense? I always hear comments about coaches not having, quote, their type of guys. Well, first of all, he's not going to go to Nebraska, okay? No. No, he's not going to Nebraska. That's uh, something that he'd probably love to do, but I don't know if that's a great job right now unless you get the right guy in there. Nebraska's got to go back uh, to the way they used to be and with how they won before, and I'm not going to get into that, okay? But uh, unless, if they're going to compete, they want to. They have to start at the top, and they have to do things maybe that they haven't wanted to do, and that's get after a little bit more in a lot of different areas. But uh, as far as... Uh, 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 a defensive coordinator, uh, yeah, you always want to uh, run a defense that that is uh, com- that complements your defensive players. And if you just don't have any players, then you you just can't. You don't know what defense to run. And I think they're really l- lacking in some areas. The four or five star or the player they're playing hard. Don't get me wrong, USC's players are playing hard as they can play, but maybe sometimes they lack a step or they lack an inch or they lack something that makes them to a different level. So they're trying to play to that level, and they're playing hard. And sometimes you just can't play any better. Uh, I've watched some players play that I've been disappointed in. I don't want to point their names out, but I think you know who I'm – you know, some players should be dominating that aren't dominating. And – and I maybe haven't lived up to their billing, okay? They play an awful lot of rotation players in the secondary. And I don't know, I'm not second-guessing them, but I am. Um, how you get a feel of playing when you're not in there all the time? You're rotating your corners, you're rotating this guy, you're rotating that guy. I'm constantly looking at numbers to see who's in the game and who made this play or that play. At least that's what I observe. Now, Bullock's always stays in the game. And uh, so, uh, you know, I think you got to get a little bit more of a feel. And I think that maybe they're trying to now with the opponents they're playing, get a feel of who the best ones are, which I think is smart if that's what they're trying to do. But I think you can only go so far as far as coaching a certain level unless you, you, know, you push everybody to the heights of where they are, where they can't play any harder or better. And right now I think they're doing that, but I think they're a step slow in some areas or an inch short in some areas, or two steps slower in some areas. Yeah. Uh, one last one, Coach. Anthony in L.A., he says, I totally agree with your take on the defense. Great turnover rate, tackles for loss, and sacks have been awesome. I think what will help uh, with the PTSD of Clay Helton, it's worried fans that if the defense can just get, get a handful of three and outs, then we're flipping the narrative on this defense as an opportuni- opportunistic defense to a good Solid defense. Do you agree, Anthony, in L.A.? Yeah, I agree. I don't think the players that came in on the portal made the same impact that the players that came in on the offensive side of the football. Uh, They haven't had the same impact as far as from like the defensive back from Ohio State. I don't know if he even plays. Or the tackle from Kansas State if he even plays or if he's – but every player that came in almost on the offensive side of the football has made a big impact. I mean, from Haskins, the tackle, to the receivers, and all that. But on the defensive side, the one defensive back that came in from Colorado has made a, 
impact he's playing. But, you know, as the as really some of the other players that came in, now Bird, Bird that came in from Wyoming, he's playing because I don't know if he made an impact, but he's playing because he's the best at that position. But I don't think they brought in the same quality of portal transfers to the defense. Let's make let's give them a, a fair shot over there, okay? They didn't get the same type of transfers that they got on the offensive side, like like the first team all conference running back from Oregon uh, and the, and the running back from Stanford and, and these type of plays. They didn't get that on the defensive side. Yeah, they got a linebacker from Alabama who I think Lee's a good player. But, you know, uh, I don't know if he is a a pro player or a player that is going to make a difference in a game. He plays hard, and he's smart, and he's a leader. But, again, is he that impact guy that the offense brought in? I don't think so. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, I think that's it. I think we're, uh, I think we're done here. We get to break down a 3-0 Trojan team. A quarter of the season is gone, if you can believe that. Um, USC's rolling. Big game this weekend coming up against the Beavs, Oregon State Beavers. So uh, that'll be that'll be interesting for sure. Um, but, Coach, it's been awesome uh, chatting with you again, and I uh, hope everyone enjoyed it. We'll be back several times this week doing shows uh, as USC gets ready for Corvallis. I'll be up there. Uh, shotgun will be there. Chris Trevino will be there. So we'll be up there full force, uh, in Corvallis in half a stadium as the Trojans try to go to four and two and in the PAC 12 and, uh, getting a big road win. A second PAC 12 road win, uh, would be a big deal. Well, I think this is one of the games you get excited for. Okay. First of all, you go on the road, you're in a foreign, uh, area where people look at you and they wonder, they don't like you to start with. Okay. And uh, you come in and you'll hear a few boos, boos, and this and that. They used to yell at me and call me names, okay? And uh, it's great to go in there, play a great football game, get ready for the challenge. I call it a challenge of going into someone else's, invade uh, someone else's city, state, and whatever, and just shut it up and ruin their whole evening. And I used to talk to the team that way and then have a nice trip home and enjoy what you just accomplished. So I think that's the way that they've got to do it and go after it. And last night I saw Lincoln Riley get fired up a little bit more. He's been real calm, but I saw him firing up the team a little bit with words of encouragement. Uh, I couldn't read his lips, but I could get the message of what he was what, what he was trying to get across to him, Ryan. Yeah. No, he was, uh, he was fired up. It's funny, in the press conference, he came out loving the fact that they got a goal line stance at the end of the game. So um, it was good to see. I think he's, uh, he's really excited. And, um, you know, I think for good reason. So they're 3-0. and It's a completely different team from last year. If you want to judge them on, you know, they're not going to be able to beat Alabama. Like, sure. They were 4-8 and last year. <laughs> like, if, you know, if they win the Pac-12, that's a pretty big turnaround, you know, no matter how bad the defense plays or whatever. But, um, all right, coach, we'll let you guys, we'll let you go. Thanks everyone out there for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.